Life, learning, leadership, the Llama Lounge. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is your, your host, Scott Green, and today I have a fantastic honor of welcoming an incredible guest to the lounge today. It's a gentleman that I've known for probably about 30 years, and uh, we go way back, and it's exciting to see his face again. I know you guys aren't going to see his face on this uh, episode, but I get to look oh, at it. And uh, this is Mr. Ed Francis. Welcome to the Llama Lounge. Ed, how are you, sir? Doing well, Scott. Thanks for having me, and it's really great to see you again, too. Absolutely. For our listeners, Ed is a veteran of the United States Air Force. He is a lifelong musician, a Star Wars fanatic. He's owner and master drum coach at Round Rock Drums, and he is also the artistic director of Rhythm Workshops based in Round Rock, Texas. And again, welcome to the show, Ed. It's good to see you. Thank you. Good, great to see you. So the wonderful world about social media and Facebook is you get to find out where all of your old friends are and what they're doing. You know, when Ed and I go way back to probably uh, 92, 93, uh, yeah, both stationed in San Antonio, uh, heavily involved in the local music scene there. I got, I got to carry Ed's drums all over South Texas. <laughs> I, I learned a little bit about what drum set, what drum pieces go when and where and, you know, how to screw things in and not break stuff. So or how um, to screw things up, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might have I might have broken something. <laughs> but but we go way back. But uh uh yeah, those are good, those are good times. And, and one of my fondest memories is we would be at a location. Uh and so those of you that live in San Antonio, you're probably familiar with St. Mary Strip. And we would be at one of the several dive clubs there getting ready for a show. Yeah. And the rest of the bands. They're all hanging around, either smoking out back or doing shots. And Ed would be out back, like doing calisthenics and stretching and, <laughs> and warming up and, and doing non-rock star type stuff. So, uh, and, it, and it's good to see you still taking care of yourself, unlike we did back in those days. <laughs> oh my God, I find it interesting that you remember that part of what I used to do. That's interesting. Actually. Well, because it stood out from what everyone else is doing, Ed. You've always been that guy that just did things a little bit differently. You, you kind of went to your own, you did things your own way. So if you don't mind, just, just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, because obviously you, you, live, in, you live in Texas, but that is not a Texas accent you have. Uh, no. So if you don't mind telling us a little bit about your story and, and where you came from and how you ended up in Round Rock, Texas. Well, I guess I'll start at the beginning. I was born in Bristol, Rhode Island, and I lived there for 17 years. And when I joined the military at 16 and got to go to basic training at 17, I moved here to Texas, and I learned how to speak English more properly at that time. <laughs> and that's kind of where I met up with the, the band scene and playing, and uh, that's where I met you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so from San Antonio, you, you hung out, right? Most people departed from that area. Like some of us, we, were, we, we stayed in the military. Some of us got out of the military. And you've been uh, coaching drums ever since then, right? Or probably longer than that. Yeah, I, I started coaching back in 1990. So I've been doing this for a good 31 years coming up here next year. So it's, it's, it's been a long time, yeah. That is very cool. That is very cool. I, 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 could you throw a ballpark number? Maybe how many students you think you've had over that time? Oh, gosh. Uh, I tried to think of it one time, and I, I think I came up with, like, about 1,800 people. Wow. 
that's a lot. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, like that's, currently I have a student load of about 48 kids I see weekly for individualized lessons. And that's not even counting all the kids I see for the nonprofit that I do the free work at the school. So it's, uh, it's pretty far reaching and it's, it's humbling if I look at it. I mean, it, it sounds cooler than it is. I mean, when you think of the numbers, it sounds cool, but it's really kid by kid when I see them day to day. That's, that's incredible. That's incredible. So you, you, how did you get involved in drums? Because I, I remember when I was little, I'm not a musician at all. That's why I, I, most, most of the stuff I did was carrying stuff around. <laughs> but when I was little, I took, I took lessons here and there, and I just, it never worked for me. But I remember being a little kid and setting up like cardboard boxes and pretending me and my brother, would, we would pretend we were in Kiss, and that was our thing. We, we didn't know how to play instruments, but we did yeah. a lot of pretending. How about you? How did it get started with you? Well, there were two main things for when I was little. My grandfather was really open-minded to working with me and my brother. He would allow us to get pots and pans with metal spoons. Okay, we're not talking about wooden spoons. We're talking about metal spoons on metal pots and pans. And he would let us bang on them in the kitchen floor. And my grandmother, she did not like it one bit. However, my grandfather allowed us to do it anyway. So that was one of the things. But the other thing was watching the Muppets. Oh, and watching animal play. Yes. And it was something about him. He, he pulled me in. It was some magnetic personality about who he was. And, and I asked for a, an animal puppet, a Muppet puppet, when I was about six years old. And I got it for Christmas that year. And I also got a drum set that year. And I was able to start drumming with my Muppet puppet. And that's kind of how it all began. So you hooked ever since. And have you, have you tried any other instruments or was drumming just it for you? Drumming was the main one, but I also played the clarinet for about six and a half years in high school. I also dabbled in things like guitar or harmonica, but I, I, I know enough to get into trouble, but I don't know what I'm doing with those particular instruments. Gotcha. And so like in high school, were you involved in like the music scene or was it just a, a high school band? Those type it was of just a high school band. It was marching band. I was like a, the drum major assistant in 11th grade, drum major in 12th grade. And then I got involved in Toreador Drum Corps a junior drum corps, and that's where things got really serious for me, and that's where I got a really big focus on the drums. Okay, okay, and it, and and so what's incredible is most people don't have this opportunity to turn it into a career, right? Sure. I mean, you you have people who they always look back in you know the good old days, and I remember the good old days of being in a band and doing this and doing that, and yeah, you know we we were we were awesome, but yeah. you actually, I mean it switched for you. I mean, cause I remember in the nineties, we were grinding hard. I mean, we were yes. every weekend, yeah. a different small town or somewhere in the yeah. city playing. Yeah. Um, but you have transitioned that to, to, like you said, you've been coaching for a long time, but it's, yes. it sounds like that's really where your passion is, is, is coaching. Absolutely. You know, it, it's turned into that, you know, there was a pivotal moment that you were around for actually, you weren't there specifically when it happened, but you were in my life during that time. When we were a band and we were doing all those things that you just shared, there was a moment where our lead singer decided to go overseas. Mm -hmm. And it was at that moment where I was, I was still teaching and I was playing you know, pretty much full-time plus a full-time job. But it was at that moment I decided, you know what? I don't want to have to depend on anyone else for me to do something with music. Right. If I have to be in a group, that means everyone in that group has to be as dedicated and as focused as I am to allow something to be successful. And when that move was happening, um, it really jolted me to go, you know what? I can control me. I can control what I want to do and my focus. And at that point, a, a major shift happened for me and my focus. Yeah, I can, I can understand. And being in a band is hard enough as it is. 
<laughs> especially when you have multiple personalities on which direction things would go and and what we wanted to sound like and what this song wanted to sound like absolutely but, but one of the things that i've always been impressed is during that time and even to this day and i'm gonna swell your head up a little bit but i think you're the best drummer i've ever heard in person live ever and and <laughs> well <laughs> that's just the truth that's just the truth and and well, I don't know what to say, Scott. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just the the creativity, the the fills, the time changes, like all those things where where you could probably record a song without any other instruments, and you wouldn't get bored just listening to the drumming because there was so much going on, and um, and 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 that just I kind of I think it lends to your creativity, and that's probably where I think from what I've seen. On, on your social media and stuff like that, where you became such a good coach because you have this open mind to what music should sound like. Well, I think that's true, but I also think I, I have an open mind to listening to my students. I think there's a lot of teachers out there that they have a thing that they want to accomplish mm -hmm. and nothing on the side is going to get in the way from accomplishing the thing that, that they saw inside themselves. And for me, I see that as a starting point. And I have kids who are like six years old, eight years old, 12 years old, They'll say, hey, Mr. Ed, I have an idea. Why don't we try this or why don't we try that? And then I'll, I'll say, well, well, tell me more about this idea you have. And sometimes it'll be a ridiculous idea. I'm like, there's just no way I'm going to do that. But I'll listen to them anyway because, you know, that's what I do with the kids. But sometimes these six-year-olds, these eight-year-olds, these preteens, they come up with some really good stuff. And, and if I'm opening my ears to actually paying attention to what they're actually saying, and trying to incorporate that into my vision, suddenly the vision changes within me. And then the scope of what I'm able to accomplish is even greater because I was able to listen to someone seemingly lesser than me, yeah. but actually had a great idea. But, you know, and I tell you what, <clears throat> if anybody who's in a teaching field or a training field or a coaching field, I mean, that's, that's, I think that's where a lot of people make the mistake is, I've sat in college classes where the professor just wanted to expound all their knowledge right. and not really hear what the thoughts or the ideas were of those sitting in the classroom. And, and, and I think a great coach or a, get, a great educator is going to learn as much from their students or, or their classes than they will that they're going to give. Oh, absolutely. And, then, and apart from that too, you know, you have this thing with the relationship with the people that you're teaching and if you want to have results on one hand, you, you also have to have the relationship. And if yeah. you have a good relationship, you get more results. And it's by the results that you're allowed to continue to teach to have that relationship because they go hand in hand. Without one or the other, it just does not exist. You know, I, I've heard a quote, and I, I don't remember where I, if I read it or saw it, but it said um, something to the effect that um, rules with the relationship equal results and rules without the relationship equals rebellion. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When you have the relationship there, you, you can get the results. So even if you're trying to structure something some way or, or trying to uh, guide a student or, or an employee or whatever in a, a certain direction, if you have that relationship, that's where, that's where the results can come from. So one of my best examples of, like I learned a lot, not just by the good examples in my life, but I've also learned a lot through the not so good examples too. Yeah. And one specific example that I always remember is one of my sons, 
he was at a guitar lesson and I was able to sit in and I did not want to say anything because it's his lesson and it's his instructor. I didn't want to muddy it up. And while I was sitting there, something really struck me. When my son made a mistake, the teacher just looked at him, got real quiet and said, no, do it again. Hmm. He didn't give him any positive feedback. He didn't redirect him. He didn't kind of reach in and over a bridge and say, hey, you know, that's pretty close. You did it this way. Let's try it that way. And I try to remember that all the time when I'm working with my kids. It's not just to say, we'll just do it over and over again, but reach them where they're at, take what they've done, twist it a little bit in the right direction and pull them along toward me where I want them to go. Yeah. There's a lot that can be said for that in, in any environment, whether you're a music coach or a parent or a school teacher, or even just a, a supervisor at work, um, what I think what we fail to remember is that people are human, and we're all going to do things a little bit differently. We're all going to make mistakes, but it's so important at a, at a, for a kid, for a young age, to feel like they're being supported. And if you're just consistently knocking them down and not giving them a positive direction, and if you just say, no, wrong, do it again, where's the desire to, to continue with that? And I think your approach really is person-centered. So I worked in, um, you've worked in mental health, and, yeah. and, and, and I had a chance to work in mental health field for a little bit um, as, a, as a trainer. And one of the programs that we had was called person-centered planning. And it was, it was for individuals that had, uh, you know, disabilities and, and learning disabilities. And what we learned from person-centered planning was you get the best results when you allow the person who's involved in that case management system mm -hmm. to give their input on how, what success looks like for them rather than the caseworker or the therapist. And mm -hmm. I took a lot from those experiences going person-centered planning. I know it works in the intellectual disability world, but it also works in the school world and and then corporate world and i imagine in your world is too being being a drum coach and a musician well absolutely and, and i think it all starts from inside ourselves as the coach as the teacher as the person in charge you know as being a dad you know raising five kids or working with a group of kids or even one kid there's a lot of introspection i think that has to happen as that person because you know everyone that i teach is different and i have to always check my motivation behind what i'm saying because how I say what I say oftentimes dictates what's communicated to the person listening to me. And I have to be very aware of my own stuff before I put it out there using my mouth. Is that, is that something you had to learn how to do or did it come natural to you? It was a learning process and it's still a learning process because I constantly meet new people. Even right. just when I think I've met every single kind of person that there could be in my life that I'm teaching or working with, I'm presented with a whole different set of variables that I have to contend with. And I look at it as a challenge. It's not, oh my gosh, I have to deal with this kid or that person. It's, okay, this person listens best when I do this or if I go in that direction. And it causes me to be a better teacher, a better human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. And, and, and again, like I said, it's person-centered. It's individual too. Because that, that, that kid or, or adult, it just depends on the situation, is counting on you to not necessarily make them a clone of you, but to just bring out the best in themselves. Yes, I, you know, that is exactly what's supposed to happen. I mean, there's enough 
of me here. We don't need another Ed Francis out there. We need uh, Scott Green to be Scott Green. I don't want you to be anybody else but who you are. And I think as teachers, sometimes we try to put people in molds and nobody, I mean, nobody fits into a mold. Everyone is totally unique and different. Even if there's similarities, the mix of who they are with all those things that we previously had to deal with or work with is an entirely different kind of a recipe. Absolutely. Yeah, I think too, you, I mean, you, you've had, what, what did we say, about 1,800? No, uh, in, in yeah. your lifespan. Of, yeah, have all those people stayed with drums and stayed with music? Probably not, but have they gone on to do other things because they felt the relationship that you developed with them kind of groomed them into something different? Oh my gosh, you know, okay, I'll give you one example. Um, there's this one young lady, she's in her 20s, uh, she is a veterinarian, and she's going for her doctorate here pretty soon, and she'll still take drum lessons with me online. She lives in Tennessee or just somewhere else in the United States, and she just loves hanging out with me, connecting with me, and she loves drumming, but it's not her thing that she does, but she gains a lot of positivity and encouragement through that process, and she loves it. And I think, you know, in some small way, maybe I've helped her to be a little bit of who she is in a very tiny way. And, and check this out. There's another small young lady who's like 12 years old, and she wants to be a veterinarian. <laughs> and, and, and so what I did was I reached out to the adult lady who's going to get her doctor. And I said, would you mind connecting with this 12-year-old student I currently have? I'm getting chills just thinking about this. Awesome. She said, sure, I would love to. Send me her contact information. So... How many times does somebody get to do that in life for somebody else, you know? Yeah, that, that's incredible. And, and, and again, it's, it's, it's not about a bunch of Ed Francis's. It's about people being better versions of themselves. Absolutely. I, I, would, I would also like to talk a little bit about your, um, I guess, consistency and discipline. Because I, 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 reverted, I talked about it a little while ago when back in the day, out behind the, you know, club, you know, club X, club this, club that. You, you were one of those people that was pretty disciplined in rehearsing, pretty disciplined in your, you know, uh, working on the drum pads and stuff like that. How important is that, would you say, in doing what you do as far as being a, a coach or being a musician? Well, first, when you ask me that question, I think, you know, there's so many people, whether they be the parents uh, or the students themselves or people that I kind of work with, you know, they have to know that they can depend on me. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm consistent, if they know that if I say I'm going to be somewhere, if I say I'm going to do something, that I actually do it, and that they know if I, if I don't do it or it's because I can't do it or something happened, and 99% of the time I'm going to follow through with what I say I'm going to do. Uh, I, th I think it's, it's, it's critical um, that I keep some kind of discipline and consistency for the people around me, and not just for me to have a job. But just because, you know, people, for their sake, they, they for, for them to feel comfortable with what they're going through while they're learning and they're getting ready for a show, they have to know that the, the person in charge um, is going to be there for them and can catch them if they fall. Yeah, yeah. How, how, what about the little things? Because I, I, I'll, I'll give me an example. When I, when I was, I was my, may have been 10 years old and uh, I took guitar lessons. And like my first day was miserable because my guitar coach was teaching me like 
Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> bing. I'm like, no, I, I want to know how to do a guitar solo right now. And, and so I, I was a horrible student, obviously. I think I took three yeah, lessons and I was done. Um, but from what I've seen, you have a way of breaking down even just the small things that probably don't seem much when they're first learning, but you make it enjoyable to them. Um, how does that work? Well, I, first of all, I, I think of the idea of it, things being foundational. Okay. Uh, there are some things that if they don't do A, B, or C, and they want to do D, E, and F and do the solos, um, they need to understand that the, the, the consistency, uh, those basic little things can mean such a big thing later. If they skip that step and they just try to go crazy cool, uh, it's going to be a sloppy crazy cool. You know, however you play slow, that's how you're going to play fast. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, and I think that's good for a lot of people. And, and, and any walk of life, I mean, there are some foundation things that need to be there in order for you to have some sort of success, whatever it is you want to be, you know, uh, yeah. and so that's, that's with, you know, we have a large military audience and, and just because of the fact that I'm a veteran and three other guys that run this, this podcast, they're, they're active duty. And I think some of the challenges some of our younger folks have is they want success right away. They want responsibility right away. And you really have to focus on the discipline and the, the small things to, in order to build up to that stuff. Oh, absolutely. And I would also add to that, that, you know, when we were that young, when I was 18, when I was 20, there were things I wanted to do, but there were lots of things I was doing. I had to have a job. I, I had to practice. I had to show up for the shows. I, I wanted to have a relationship. I wanted to go out to eat. I wanted to do lots of things. And it was all those little pockets of life that were influencing me and then funneled into eventually me being the drum coach that I am, had I not had that, that wide variety of experiences in mental health, working in alcohol rehab, substance abuse recovery center, you know, working as a, a guy that ran a restaurant and dealing with people. Um, without all those experiences, I would not have the skill set that I currently have. So yeah, you, you hit on a good, some good point. And talking about your, your mental health background, how much is that, does that play a role in what you do as a drum coach or, or probably more importantly, well, let's, 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 let's back up. So there's, there's round rock drums and yeah. kind of give the breakdown of what round rock drums is. To put it very succinctly, uh, it's a place where people come to learn how to drum all different levels. I yell at them nicely <laughs> and, yeah, and they come back and then they, they have certain goals and I help them to reach their goals by being in the studio with me one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. And then let's not rank it up push it up a notch, Rhythm Workshops. Tell me about that. Well, Rhythm Workshops is a nonprofit. And to give you the mission statement is to, it's uh, to, gosh, I feel put on the spot. Maybe we, <laughs> could, maybe we could edit this one little part. I'll back up just a little bit. <laughs> well, that like, might not happen. <laughs> right. Well, it, it's to empower at-risk kids. Okay. Um, dude, I, I'm sorry. This is the one part. See, when I have something I have to know, I don't know it well. If I'm just off the cuff, I'm really good with people, but all the other stuff, it's, it's, um, it's a work in progress. So yes, I do run a nonprofit. It's called Rhythm Workshops. And our mission statement is to empower at-risk kids to have a better life. And I go to schools. I go to after-school things, YMCA places. I work with groups of kids. I go to the YMCAs, uh, go to um, Texas Baptist Children's Home. And the focus is not necessarily drumming. It's not necessarily music. It's to help kids feel good about themselves, to feel empowered, 
to see that they're capable of accomplishing something. And that can be a building block to everything else that might come in their life later. So where does that come from? Like, like what, what got you started with Rhythm Workshop? What, what, what was the genesis of that? Well, it was kind of, I would go into the schools with round rock drums and I would bring students with me. And then those kids would see other kids playing. I mean, to see me play well as an old guy, that's one thing. But to see other kids do well, that inspires kids to say, hey, if that kid can do it, I can do it too. And then I would have kids come up just for fun and banging on pots and pans and drums who didn't know what they were doing. And I could just see their eyes light up. And before I knew it, all these other kids were raising their hands and I'd have like 300 kids, 400 kids screaming, wanting to come up and play with Mr. Ed and watch the kids. <laughs> and just to see their faces light up and, and to know that you know, I could change a whole lot of lives in an hour just by doing a show with my students. And that was kind of the jumping off point for, for doing like a nonprofit thing. So what, what sort of things have you guys done with, with Rhythm Workshops? What sort of events have you had? Well, it mostly involves having the kids play on buckets because you know, I only get a limited amount of time with these kids, once a week maybe. And as you might imagine, these aren't the most focused kids. Right. Play drums. I was one of them. And I tend to ask for the kids who maybe need a little more help than others. Uh, I, I work in Title I schools. Okay. And then within the Title I schools, I get the kids who have a hard time paying attention usually, who can be labeled as maybe troublemaking, but they're just misunderstood kids. They, they need someone who is able to take maybe them being loud or being a little disruptive and saying, hey, let's take that loudness. Let's take that disruption and let's bang on some buckets. Let's take some sticks and let's make some noise, right? And then let's not only do that, but let's do it where you can do it with other kids at the same time and feel like you've done something with it. Yeah, there's not enough of that. I mean, we need more of that. Again, because it's outside of the norm of what we expect kids to be. And so we, instead of taking a, what might be considered a, a bad character trait, you're taking that and you're actually turning it into something productive. You know, and I've had to catch myself in that process too, where I would work with the kids and there might be this one kid that for whatever reason just is not paying attention, is being disruptive. And I'd gotten to the point one day where I was like, I think I'm going to ask this kid to leave. And, and I did. And then the kid came back to me the next week with tears in his eyes. And he said, Mr. Ed, I promise I will pay more attention. I like being here. I want to play the buckets. And he changed me. He made me change something that I was very resolute about. I was like, you know what? These other 15 kids should not have to suffer for this one kid. I have to make a big decision here. And he's just going to have to be gone. But I think he probably needed to hear me say, I want you to go, because that was a reality check for him. Yeah. But at the same time, I had to reevaluate, okay, I made a decision based on the way he had previously been behaving, but now I can see an alteration in his focus and his commitment, and things changed from then on. And then the next year, he was one of my best students who was helping me with newer kids that were coming along because he felt empowered. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you get to do a lot of cool stuff. I mean, obviously with, with COVID, things have kind of slowed things down a little bit, I'm sure. But there's, you know, you've gone out and done like different community events. Tell me something about, about some of those. Well, right now, we've really slowed things down like you can imagine because I can be with one kid at a time or a couple of kids. But to be with eight or 15 kids in an enclosed area, I'm not comfortable with that yet. So those things have, have gone away currently. 
But what we do do is I work with kids on the side once in a while. I'll do something uh, using Zoom uh, mm -hmm. to connect with someone. And we also have the, the police station. Uh, my friend, Chief Jim, who's actually retiring this year, uh, he secured eight full five-piece drum kits. Wow. And what we're gearing up to do is once we can get back in the schools is to select five kids to take these full drum sets into their homes. And then I will give them free drum lessons once a week from my Round Rock Drums uh, area. Nice. And they'll actually learn how to play in a full drum set. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. <laughs> and so how did, how did that connection happen with you and the police chief? Well, uh, Commander Jim at the time, he heard about what I was doing in town. He knew I was going to the schools. He's seen me at shows. And he's a, a, a drummer too. Okay. And he loves Rush. He loves Neil Peart. So we connected very quickly about all those things. And then he just asked me, hey, can, can we get together and can we do something with the drums? I want to do something. And I said, okay, what do you want to do? And his first thought was, well, let's do a, a drum off competition and we'll give a, one free drum set to one kid once in a while. And I said to him, well, why would we do that? Why, why would we put all that resource into this one person? Why don't we do this? Why don't we go into the schools? Why don't we buy a drum set and keep it in the school? Why don't we get buckets? Why don't we do something weekly? And then, you know, at the end of the semester, we can have a performance with these kids and you can do this year round. And it's great for the police department. It's great for the community because the kids can feel safe around the kids of uh, the guys who are the and gals who are the police department people. Yeah. And it helps me out too, because I get to reach more kids to do what I love to do. That, that's crazy. You know, and there's something about, you, you would think a room full of 30 kids on different drum sets and buckets, you know, <laughs> like you think like, man, this doesn't sound like a good time. Sounds like a headache. But <laughs> the work that you have done, right? The, the rehearsal, the commitment, the practice, it, it, it comes off sounding really incredible when you hear everyone in time and in rhythm and it's, it's very tribal, right? I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to go to the, the heart of the matter. You know, when I think of drums, a lot of people think of different genres of music. I try to think of it from the most guttural basic instinct of playing. And especially when teaching, you know, you, for me, I found the basic ideas of, you know, ah, 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 you know, ah, ah, just a rhythm like that, you can translate that into 10 different ways on a drum set. But to have that foundational idea that's guttural that we just instinctively have inside of us, that's where everything becomes a wonderful thing. Without that foundation of that, that gutturalness, all we have is noise. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I appreciate it. I, I, I've seen some of the videos and, and what I'll do is that on the show notes, we'll throw, we'll throw a couple links and you, you have Ed, in the middle on his drum kit and it looks like like 15 20 kids on their drum kits and there's like insanity but it's all in perfect timing and it's it's just this it's like a revolution's about to take place but, but all these kids are just they're they're loving it they're having a blast and, and the audience is loving it and uh it's it's really cool and you know it's hard work to get everybody on the same page it really is and it starts with the individual lessons and you, you're gonna hang out with them make sure they got their stuff then you have sectional rehearsals. Where you try to get the sections kind of together. Then you cross your fingers. <laughs> and hope you've done enough work, you know, with, with the pre-setting up of everything that when you're actually there, you can enjoy it more because everyone kind of has their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's just, I mean, it's a lot of work, right? Definitely. Oh yeah. Yes, sir. It sure is. So where, where does the motivation 
to do these type of things come from for you? For me, when I'm talking to the kids, I'm so glad you asked that question. When I'm working with the kids, I feel like I'm talking to my younger self. Okay. And I feel like I want to give them a really good experience of working with me as the teacher guy. And I want to tell them the things I wish I would have heard about certain things, musically related, drumming related, or even interpersonally related. And it, it just motivates me so much to give them an opportunity to, to, to blossom. Um, not that I had a bad uh, upbringing or bad experience or the, the worst ones out there, but I, I had some challenging times growing up. Yeah. And, you know, there were things I've learned from bad examples. And I try to provide something to kids who otherwise wouldn't have that kind of experience. That's, that's, that's huge. Because there's, there's a lot of people who would just bury whatever it was that bothered them and, and, and not try to put forth any effort to, to, to make a difference. And, and, and most people are dealing with something that's just a struggle or a challenge and they, and they need that outlet, which I think what better outlet <laughs> than, than, than <laughs> on stuff, right? <laughs> what better outlet, but it's a controlled yeah. outlet. So it's not destructive. Yeah. It's, it's a controlled outlet. It's not destructive. It's actually productive because they're finding a rhythm. Absolutely. So you, you've called drumming and you've called uh, coaching drumming, you've called it physical and you've called it mental and you've called it emotional. Yeah. Explain those three. Well, you know, when I play from, from Ed's point of view, you know, I have to start from emotion because I have to have a certain feel for certain things. Like when I would do drum off competitions and I would have this drum solo I would present it wasn't just the mental parts of what I was playing, but it was also, I had to have a certain emotion for certain feels. And if I knew something was coming up, I would rev up on the inside. You wouldn't notice it on the outside, but when I would explode into the next part, I'd have to be ready with that kind of an energy, whether it be a forceful, fast energy or a more subdued, relaxed energy. And then there's also the physicality. I mean, my legs have to work, my arms have to work. I have to be able to respond to what my mind wants me to do but then without that emotional connection, it's just a bunch of notes. So if I can do the notes correctly with the right feel, then I've succeeded in communicating as a human being using the drums. Nice. So what does Boba Fett have to do with any of this? <laughs> well, everything and nothing. Um, the, the story behind Boba Fett, to put it real quickly, is I love Boba Fett so much because he was the only one in the Star Wars universe that I saw as a kid that stood up to Darth Vader didn't take any crap from anybody. He didn't, he didn't fly a flag for the Alliance. He didn't you know, fly a flag for the Empire. He was his own guy. And I kind of like that. You know, it, there's something about being your own person and, and not taking crap from anybody, but being confident that really spoke to me and it, it still resonates to me today. Well, and, and I can see that in hindsight, knowing you as long as I've known you, you do things the Ed Francis way. It's you don't try to fit into any mold and you don't try to, you, you do things the way you want to do things. You know, and, and on top of that too, I think I've, I've become very comfortable with who I am. I mean, I'm a work in progress. I, there's room for improvement and I know I'll never get everything exactly just right, but I've accepted that my goofiness, the, the fact that I don't, I don't uh, do things like normally people would have you do, uh, I'm okay with my quirks and, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And we all, we should all be that way. Yeah. Like, there, there's that time. And I remember our, it was our twenties. 
when we were all trying to fit, like, what's cool and where is music scene and what is everyone else doing? And Ed's, you know, talking about how he made a turkey sandwich and we were talking about partying. And so Ed was doing Ed. And, but the thing is, when you look back in hindsight, you had that very, um, what's the word I want to, analytical mind? Sure. Like I would, I would like just an audience audiences listening, probably thinking, or they're going to hear this, probably think, what are you talking about? You would describe making a turkey sandwich. And you go, it's lightly toasted and a little bit of shaved. And I'm like, Ed, I just asked you what you had for lunch. You gave very specific details. But later on in life, I see, well, Ed is still very good at giving very specific details, especially with the, when, when you're coaching. Yeah, I, I think that that comes in handy. You know, whereas it could have maybe have been a, a negative thing in my life. I've, I've taken lemons and made lemonades with that. You know, I, 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 I have a really good tendency of taking a complex idea or thing I'm trying to convey, come up with the three or four ideas of how it gets put together and then be able to focus on those little things and then connect them and then turn them into the big thing, especially without the student knowing it's happening. Yeah. And then when they finally get to the point where they, whoa, I can play that. I'm like, yeah, because you did this, 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 and this. And then, then all of a sudden, the next time I want to work with them on something, they're more uh, open to the idea of listening to the smaller things because they know through experience that when they do those little things, it's going to open up a bigger idea. That's, that's huge. So how does that, you, you, you've been doing this for years and years and years in person. How does that translate through, like you're doing it through Zoom nowadays, I, I assume, right? Or yeah, that, that, that was a big transition for me because it's one thing for me with my personality uh, to be with someone physically and be close while teaching. And then it's another to look at this flat screen. And you know, like, like for, for us in our age, I'm 51, you know, watching a TV screen for us growing up was a passive experience. There was no interaction. It was the TV was feeding us. There was no back and forth. So when I first got online to do the Zoom, I had to learn, it took me probably two months before I felt like I was reaching in to the, the, the monitor and I was able to shake someone and get them to, to respond to what I was working with them about. And I felt like I was being who I was. Like even right now with talking to you, mm-hmm. if we tried to have this interview a year ago, I would be speaking more robotically. Yeah. I would be more subdued. I wouldn't be who I am. It took yeah. a while. And I, and I see you're standing up. Yes. Right. And that, that and I'm sitting down. Sorry about that. But we, it gives so much more. Right. Oh, I, yes. I mean, there's an energy. Right. When, I, when I'm sitting behind the drum set, I'm moving my arms. I'm moving my legs. I, there's a physicality to it. If I'm sitting down on a chair, which I've done before, my energy level goes down. The ability to connect goes down. And the ideas that I might have while I'm teaching is limited. But when I'm standing up, I can move my legs. I can communicate better. And I, I'm very nonverbal with the way I communicate. Not that you would know it on the podcast, but <laughs> I most certainly am. Yeah. Well, and, and at the same time too, it, you're able to generate more enthusiasm when you're, when you're able to show the hand movement and the, the, the nonverbals and stuff like that, rather than Absolutely. just sitting still. So has that opened up any new uh, avenues for you? Like, have you, are you talking about maybe branching out your, your coaching well, what's been interesting, glad you asked that question too, is, you know, a lot of my older students who have left and moved have come back to me because suddenly we have the Zoom feature and I can talk to someone in New Jersey or in Canada or wherever. And on, on top of that, I've been able to, you know, get more students this past year. I, I don't know why, but I thought when COVID hit, I was under the assumption 
that my student load was going to go down. Yeah. And for some reason, oh my gosh, it, it, it's grown uh, quite considerably. And I think it's people are looking for connection. You know, people are looking for something that's meaningful, that resonates with them. And people are talking, you know, people talk about what we do, right? And it's good to have them talk positively about what we do and to have a connection with a link and someone can take a lesson from me through the Zoom. Oh my gosh, it's, it's just increased everything for me. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I tell you, there, there are a couple ways you could have looked at 2020. Um, and, and I think every one of us had the opportunity to just be creative and try new things without any fear of, you know, oh, what are people going to think? You know, like, like I, I've seen more podcasts being created. I've seen more, you know, different ventures. Everyone's a, a podcaster now. Everyone's a this, that, and the other. They're, you know, everyone's doing their own thing now, personal, professional development stuff. Because, and then there were some people who struggled because they, they focused so much on the unknown rather than focused on what we know. Absolutely. And how's that work for you? I mean, you, you know drums. Yeah. I would say this, you know, an example of that for me is a lot of times we'll be getting ready for a show. I don't have a date, I don't have a location, and I don't have a time, but I know there's going to be a show. Yeah. And so for the two or three months, I'm working with the kids, I'm working with the parents, getting everything set up, no date, no location, no time. And everyone's asking me, where's it going to be? When's it going to be? What time is it going to start? I'm like, I don't know, but it's going to happen. And there's an element of, uh, to use a, a, a a religious type term, there's an element of faith in the idea that I know I'm going to have a show. Yeah. And I'm going to do everything now, even though I don't, can't see where it's going to be, I'm going to do everything I can in my power to make sure everyone's ready for that thing, even though it's not on the itinerary yet. <laughs> we need more of that. I, I think our society needs more of that. Too many of us want to sit back and just wait and see what happens. And, and I think what 2020 and even 21 has taught us that you can – just the, the uncertainty opens up opportunity. The uncertainty of how the world's going opens up opportunity because who's going to critique you now? Who's going to judge you and, and question, what are you doing? Well, 2020 was a weird year. So yeah. if I did something that didn't make sense, oh, well, I tried it. Not a big deal. But if I did something that didn't make sense and I was successful at it, hey, that, that's, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So you... Um, What's, what's, what's on the, the horizon for you guys now? Are, are you, do you see anything opening back up? Are you able to start seeing students in person? Just at Yeah, the uh, like right now I have one of my students, he's asked to be trained to be an assistant drum coach and okay. I'm working with him and he's doing a great job. He's got the personality, the energy and the ability to, to do that. And it's opening up more opportunity for me to be able to branch out and work with kids outside of the studio. I'm hoping through the, the, like, again, looking forward to things that we don't know is going to happen yet. I'm looking forward to when the, the shots that we're getting, the immunization things that we're getting kick in, and I can be back in the schools, and I can do more stuff. And the scary part for me is that things have gone so well this past year with things being technically negative over the <laughs> last year. But when I get back into the schools, something happens. I tend to get even more students. And I've got to start thinking about, well, what can I do? Because I'm one person. And right. when you have 48 people you're teaching, that, that's pretty much all I can handle. And I can handle a lot. Uh, but once that hits, I've, I've got to be ready for, well, what does that look like? 
what might I do now? The little things. What, what little things can I do now working with people that I have under me? And what things can I do to improve myself so that when that hits, I'll know what to do better? Yeah. I think the important thing is just keep moving forward with it, right? Like you said, even if you don't have a date, if you don't have the, the time or the location, you keep working towards it. Because if not, we're just, we get stagnant and we get soft and we, and we, we die, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's always important to move forward. And so I, I think it's, I just, you know, I, I, I watch some of the videos and I see some of the, you've been doing a lot of rucking now and, and hiking. What's, what's up with that? Yeah, you know, uh, my, uh, my girlfriend, she's a fourth degree black belt. She, she's a golden glove boxer. She runs her own gym and stuff. And she, she likes to do Perfect stuff. Match. That's the way I always envision it. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. And, and, you know, we go, I love to walk, but I've enjoyed going on hikes with her. You know, uh, we're planning on doing some really big hikes over the next year. Uh, she, she got me a bike for my birthday and I f- I'd forgotten how much I loved biking. When I was a kid, I used to bike everywhere. Now I'm 51 and I'm biking everywhere again and I'm loving it. I'm feeling good. The, the oxygen is going in my brain. I'm, I'm feeling stronger. I'm able to go faster. It's impacting my drumming. Uh, my attitude is a little bit maybe more positive if, if that were possible. Uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying doing the physical things because the physical things translate to being healthier, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally. I think I'm probably in a, in a better place probably and yeah. it impacts my students. So it's, it's a win-win all the way around. You, you, you kind of touched on something about being your age and then going back to riding a bike. Because for some of us, it's been a million years since we've ridden a bike. Yeah. And I'll say it's been a million years since I've banged on pots and pans. <laughs> but there's something, you know, it's exciting to get back into doing things like that. Now, most of your clients are students. Do you work with any other age groups or is it just? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example of an older person that I've taught. Uh, she's not around anymore. Uh, her name was Luella. She was 69 years old, and she was taking lessons with me. And after about a year, she couldn't continue because she had fibromyalgia and some other physical ailments that prevented her from doing what she loved to do. Okay. And the, the story that she told me, this is worth relating. When she was 10 years old, she wanted to be a drummer when she was 10. And she was told by her teachers, her friends, and her parents that she could not be a drummer because she was not talented enough. She was not smart enough. And because of it, the worst reason of all, because she was a girl. Mm. She believed them for like 59 years before she came to me for drum lessons. And she was loving it. She was having a good time. I was enjoying teaching her. And then she told me one day, she said this, she goes, Ed, when you go into those schools and you talk to those kids, you tell them if their parents, if their teachers, if their friends ever tell them that they're not smart enough, if they're not good enough, or because they're a girl, you tell them to do it anyway. If it's something that they love to do and it doesn't hurt them, it doesn't hurt anyone else, it's a good thing, just tell them to do it anyway. And every time I speak in front of people, I tell that story, a true story, and you see the teachers, are like, oh my gosh, yes, yes. And the kids are all quiet and they're just staring at me like, oh wow, that's a good story. And then I say, say, I can do it. And they all say, I can do it. I say, say, yes, I can. And they say, yes, I can. And I repeat that over and over again. And the teachers are crying. The parents are crying. They're going, yeah, yeah. And the kids are screaming. And it's just, it's That's a wonderful awesome. thing. That's awesome. I, I, so there, there's something probably therapeutic about all that. You know, it's, it's it, as we get older, I think most of us lose our creative side because we start focusing on business and start focusing on work and bills and bills and those type of things. And I remember 
I'll, 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 when, when I go back and visit my family, my, my mom and dad have uh, like photo albums and there's tons of photo albums of me sitting on the floor drawing or me and my brother with our fake cardboard drum kits and guitars. <laughs> and as you get older, and, and I remember thinking back like, man, that was, that was such innocent, good, fun. And we spent hours doing it. Yeah. And man, I, you know, we need to get back to that creative side. We need to get back to it. Yeah, you know, I, I've always considered myself to be a lucky one that really never lost who I was when I was a kid. You're Peter Pan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am. I, maybe I'm a little bit more focused and being more businesslike and more responsible, but yeah, I, I really, a, a big chunk of who I am has is, is remained intact from when I was a kid. And, and I think it's important, you know, as, especially when we work with kids, is to remind them that, yes, you do need to grow up. Yes, you do need to be disciplined and you need to learn these things. But you know what? Keep who you are, who you are. Remain exactly who you are. That spark. Uh, keep that enthusiasm. Don't ever lose that part of who you are. That's yeah, and that's amazing. Sixty-nine years old, and someone, you know, I'm, I'm sure this person wasn't planning on you know touring the world, you know, with <laughs> with a band, but they yeah. they were just wanting to get back to something they loved. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of bands, are you do you have you been playing with any bands, or just mostly like solo type stuff? It's all solo stuff. Once in a while, I'll go to a bar that will have an open mic night, and yeah. I tend to know a handful of the musicians there. So if I show up like, hey, would you like to sit in tonight? Sure, and they'll let me sit in for a couple songs and or maybe a couple more songs. <laughs> I get that fun. And I love that because I do miss playing with other musicians. I love sitting on a stage with people I've never played with before, music I've never heard. Sometimes it's just music they made up that week, and they show up, hey, it's going to be an E-flat or whatever. Yeah. Play me a shuffle rhythm, watch me for the stops. I'm like, okay. And then I'm living on the edge because I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing and I hope I don't mess it up too bad. And it's fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. And again, so what if you mess up? If you mess up, do it again to make it louder. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is good, Ed. This has been good, man. It's, it's, it's great uh, um, catching up with you because I, I know, like I said, we were, we were pretty close back in the day. And then obviously as – we all move and go our separate ways. You know, we, we kind of grow in different directions and it's, it's encouraging to see all of your success doing something that you are truly passionate about because not a lot of people do that. Well, I'm going to interrupt you for a moment. I hope you keep this in the podcast part. You were very encouraging to me too during those times when we were in our 20s. I remember you'd be out there air drumming when I would be playing. That was encouraging to me when you would make pictures and cartoons of me playing with a certain face I would make. Yeah. That encouraged yeah. me because I was like, wow, this guy's really paying attention to me and he, he thinks I'm not cool, but I make these weird faces. You even told me once you said, I don't know, Ed, you make this face kind of looks like you're in pain, but you're also enjoying it at the same time. Yeah. That's the physical and emotional part. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and honestly, you were a part of my life during that time through you being around, carrying my stuff, giving me encouragement, telling me that you liked the way I played, uh, those things still affect me. And I, appreciate I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And uh, I'm going to have to bust out one of the old tapes here and, and, <laughs> and listen to it. So what we do uh, here in the Llama Lounge, as we, as we wrap up, we like to do what's called the uh, leadership rapid fire. Okay. Um, it's hardly ever rapid. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm going to ask you four questions and you just answer them however you want to answer them. Uh, okay. However you interpret the question, there's no pressure or anything like that. Again, be you, be yourself, 
it's what we encourage all of our guests to do. Um, so the first question is, what is a sort of like a favorite book that you would give to somebody or some, maybe a book that's impacted your life? Anthem by Ayn Rand. Uh, love that book. It's, it's about a nonconformity. It's about someone that finds something that's useful and helpful and the establishment wants nothing to do with it. And then he ends up being chased and he kind of goes his own way and finds his own life and has a beautiful life in the end. I, I love that. that sounds like Ed Francis. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Perfect. What is, um, what would you say is your favorite, like, a trait, like leadership trait, or maybe a trait for a coach or a trainer? Um, inclusivity and listening. I think okay. incorporating other people into what I do. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's needed, especially the, the listening part. All right. Again, again, sometimes we want to listen for people to be just like us instead of listening to the special unique things that people bring. Um, so next one is, do you have a favorite quote? Yeah, it's really short. It's uh, follow your bliss. Uh, okay. It's from Joseph Campbell. He wrote, you know, Hero with a Thousand Faces. Uh, it's a whole lot of books about antiquity. And it's just a beautiful idea of doing the thing you love to do. And he talks about in that quote, I'm paraphrasing, follow your bliss and doors will open where there are once walls or something nice. like that. Nice. And then when you do what you love to do, suddenly things become available. All right. <clears throat> and so the last one is since... Here at the Llama Lounge, we are all about life, learning, and leadership. How do you find balance and harmony between life, learning, and leadership? The hard thing for me was to recognize that I'm not just a drummer. Uh, I am a drummer, but it's not who I am. It's a part of who I am. And I've had to, and it's still a work in progress, I've had to reconnect with my alone time uh, through my walks or bike riding or hiking or camping, uh, or even just, you know, just sitting down and relaxing reading a book. Uh, even though I'm loud and I am kind of uh, in your face and, and yelling at people nicely when I teach, in order for me to continue to do that, I do have to have those quiet, introspective, peaceful times. And that's at least as important as what I do. Good. Good. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so lastly, this isn't one of the leadership rapid fire questions, but about... Um, Rhythm Workshops, how can people uh, find more information and how can they support Rhythm Workshops? You can go to roundrockdrums.com and on that website, there'll be a page dedicated to Rhythm Workshops. And you can go to the part where you can place your email, maybe make a couple of comments, put your phone number down. And if you wanna donate your time, your energy, your financial uh, means, uh, we take all sorts of things, uh, even equipment. Yeah. Uh, anything that you might be able to do, uh, we'd love to be able to repurpose it and give it to the kids, even if it's not in great condition. Uh, I've learned over the years how to fix things pretty well, and I can put something back together to give to a kid to use. Yeah, I'm seeing several uh, pieces of equipment behind you. Um, yeah. Some pretty cool artwork on them. What do, we, what do we have back there? Well, okay, there's one specific drum I'll talk about. Yeah. One of my students for his graduation uh, project, he had to pick something that he would uh, help out with. And he wanted to help out with round rock drums and rhythm workshops. So he designed, uh, a, he and his friend designed a drum cover that has nothing but pictures of all the kids I've been teaching at all the events we do. And it has round rock drums' icon on there. And they actually bought the drum set with their own money. We disassembled it as a huge project, cleaned it all up, repackaged it and put a wrap around it at a professional company and they donated 
the, the parts and the labor at this professional company that did it for us, Perez Signs, and then we put the drums back together. And whenever we go out and play, people get to see pictures of all the kids playing That's and having fun. Awesome. And it's two kids, two 18-year-olds. They spent over $1,000 on this project just because they wanted to contribute and bring back something to the kids in the community. And, 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 and I tell you, I think if it wasn't for your leadership and your passion for that community, um, who, know, who knows? Who, know, who knows if those kids would have, would have ever came up with that? I'm sure they're, they would have done something on their own. But, but I, I think having people like Ed Francis around uh, makes your community a lot better. And, and uh, if we can spread the word a little bit more about what you do and, and how impactful it is and the importance of letting kids be kids and, and for adults sometimes to be kids as well and, and get back to our creative side and our fun side. Yeah, definitely. And, and Scott, thank you for giving me a platform to not so much talk about myself, but to talk about what I get to do and, and uh, make life better for other people. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Ed, thank you so much. We'll have to catch up on the, on the flip side outside the podcast, but uh, it, it's been great catching up with you, sir. And uh, for our listeners, thanks for listening and llamas are out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.